What up, what up, what up? Welcome everybody to Hoops and Cards. I'm Gary, your host, and it is great to be with you today as we, man, the countdown to the NBA season. I am so pumped, just excited, not just for just, I mean, just any NBA action. I was going to say, not just for the players and teams that I love or the guys I'm collecting. I mean, who are you collecting and investing in? And, and think about, man, when October 18th rolls around, NBA season, maybe buying season for us will be over. You know, basketball card collectors and investors, this show is for you. And that's why we're doing a series right now called Basketball Cards 101. Basketball Cards 101. Some of us, this is a collection. This is a pursuit of a sport and players that we love, we enjoy. If you're like me, you've been following basketball since you were a kid. At, at whatever age. I mean, I got I got hooked on basketball when I was 10, 11 years old, uh, watching the Lakers, Celtics, and then Michael Jordan uh, in my middle school and high school years. Cleveland Cavaliers are my hometown team, so I, I don't apologize for that. I'm pretty excited about what they've got cooking this year, but I've always been a fan, and perhaps that's where you're at, and this idea of collecting cards, I mean, it's just fun. It makes you feel like uh, a piece of history or a piece of your team when you have one of their cards or a card with an autograph on it. But but there's also value to these cards. You guys, they're, in fact, two of these episodes, buying and selling, uh, there, there's a chance that, that the cards you have are worth something. Those cards in your closet, those cards at your mom's house or grandma's house, there might be something worth you know a lot more than you realized. And uh, so these basketball cards become investments. I mean, whether you planned it or not, You've got a card that's worth something, or you're listening to a podcast, man, with hundreds and, I don't know, at times maybe thousands of people around the world listening as uh, this podcasting movement grows and our Hoops and Cards Discord community gradually grows with people interacting from all just various parts of the world. Uh, my point is, uh, people are buying and selling cards, and it used to be that I had to go to the the you know, the local store and hope they had packs of cards that I could buy or I'd have to go to the Hartville flea market or the monthly card show in Canton. You had to go to a specific place. Now, I mean, you can be in Istanbul. You can be in Germany. Maybe you are. You know who I'm talking to. You can be in Australia, wherever you are around the world, Puerto Rico, Guam, Michigan, like Cuyahoga Falls, does not matter where you're at. You can buy or sell. I mean, as long as you've got an internet signal, as long as you've got a phone, you can buy and sell basketball cards. It is a global game. And if the Eurobasket didn't remind us of that, and Giannis saying that, man, they, <laughs> this is much tougher than the NBA, like, okay, dude, whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I guess there would be a reason for that. Imagine his team in Greece or in Milwaukee having to go up against the best 10 players from the United States. I guess at times those teams are tougher and they've played together for longer and they're often uh, different rules that apply. So rabbit trailing back. <laughs> Basketball Cards 101. Today we're going to talk about selling. You've got cards that are worth something. Maybe you've had them for a long time and you didn't realize it. Maybe you bought them just recently and you're like, okay, how do I sell? Where do I sell? Who wants to buy my cards? What should I sell them for? What other seller's costs might trip me up? Maybe I should hold on to my cards. Like there's a lot of decisions to make. 
and sometimes we just make them instinctively, right? Like as as you're buying and selling or you're making a deal. That's that's one thing. Maybe you're you're at least checking the comparisons of recent sales on eBay or 130point.com or Market Movers or Card Ladder. That's the thing. Tons of resources out there for sellers and for buyers. So you could consider this like the next part of the equation because the previous episode we did was buyers, you know, buying tips. And I had 16 buying tips. I don't think I have 16 selling tips. In fact, I would preface everything I'm going to say in the rest of this episode with, you don't have to sell. Especially now, as uh, the overall card market, sports card market, prices are down from what they were a year, year and a half ago. You do not have to sell. All right? Doesn't matter. Uh, what that voice inside of you is saying doesn't matter what else might look like a good buy. Doesn't matter if you're afraid. I mean, I guess guess there's always the possibility things could keep going down. But the regular flow of events, the regular changing of the seasons, when you move from, hey, a month ago, everything, at least in our country, was about baseball or maybe soccer. Then pro football started its season up and college football well, in about four weeks, we've got the NBA season, October 18th. Yeah, there will be more interest in the NBA. People will be watching and talking about the NBA. You'll see more NBA highlights, obviously, because games are actually happening. And preseason games played in different parts of the world just to spread the love of basketball. To see what markets might be open for uh, future NBA franchises or tournaments, all that stuff. Well, sellers, you do not have to sell. This episode, I want to talk about markets and margins and opportunities and some advice for selling. I kind of learned by trial and error. I've also learned from listening to other podcasts like this that uh, that have helped me out. So thank you, uh, Sam from Slab Stocks. Thank you, Lucas Tigers and Bronze. Thank you, Pack to the Future. You guys, uh, you guys are all helping the rest of us learn that's what I want to do here at Basketball Cards 101. So markets and places to sell your cards. I mean, in general, you can sell in person to people at a card show where maybe it costs you $40 or $30 to rent a table or two at that event all day. And you can you can stand there and buyers will come to you. They'll look at your cards. Whether you've marked a price on them or not, you'll probably get offers for them. Or you can go to that show and just walk around with your cards and say, hey, are you buying? And I see that happen all the time. People just show up and bring their stuff to sell. There's a, a, so many different ways to do that in person. There's also some of you that have opened your own card shop. I think that's great. I think that is awesome. Shag Sports Cards here in North Canton open for business. Kurt's Cards, love it. Love what you guys are doing in our community. And uh, you know, you can go to a show. You can start up a shop. You can be a part of a, a trade night at one of those places and sell your cards. You can set up at a flea market. There, there's a lot of different ways in person to do this. But online, uh, like just it, it opens us to the world. You know, it's not just eBay where you can list an individual card or cards for sale. It's not just markets where you can auction off cards like a PWCC or have a vault of cards like ComC, check out my collection or check out my cards, slab stocks. Now eBay is having its own vault and PSA gives you the option after they grade your cards to put your cards in their own vault. Like there are, there's no shortage, you guys, 
of places to store and sell your cards. In fact, I found some good buyers on Discords, which is this online community where you interact and there may be a buy, sell, or trade thread where you can say, hey, I'm looking to buy Steph Curry tops rookies that are graded, or I'm looking to buy cards from this season. I've got a budget of 500 bucks. Send me your best best cards, you know, Um, or Facebook groups where sometimes you have to be accepted in to a, you know to a certain group and people will post what they have for sale. A lot of you guys are already using whatnot and uh, that's for like instant auctions or shorter auctions. I think that's great. I have not done it yet because quite honestly I'm up to my eyeballs in fun stuff just just tracking with the basketball card market and uh, keeping my investments moving forward. But there's there's a, a jillion different ways to sell your cards, platforms, markets to do that in. And uh, it's good to be aware of what cards are selling for when you price them. It's good to find out that stuff before you engage with buyers. So in a moment after the break, we're going to talk about some tips for you as you approach the sale. All right. Some tips for you as you as you figure out the best markets or two to sell. I found my best responses through eBay because there's a global audience, okay? And so learning how to sell cards on eBay, getting clear pictures, listing the card the way uh, it has been listed before with people that have sold it before, like in the last few weeks, noticing what keywords they have, what details about that card, putting those in your in your eBay listing, like knowing how to do that. And that listing as an auction is going to sell for sure, but you might not be okay with the return Listing as a, a fixed price or best offer allows you to set the selling price or come to an agreement with the buyer. I, I like that as well. It just depends on the card and your purpose for it. So, so eBay, there's always going to be buyers all over the world interested in your cards, all right? But in person or in Facebook groups or Discord groups, there is a, a place where you can meet other trusted buyers and eliminate some of the costs. I mean, eBay takes off 10% at least of every sale that you get. So you have a chance to make some of that money back if you're willing to hustle and find other buyers. In a moment, we'll talk about some advice or tips for sellers after this break. going to sell some cards? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, actually did a whole episode earlier, if you scroll back on these issues, and also on selling on eBay. I think that's very important to know that process because, like I said, that is always a place to find buyers from all over the world, and eBay has made it easier. Shipping is cheaper. Um, again, you could, you could, I could sit here at a, a card show a week for the next 10 weeks and nobody in this area is going to care about Anthony Simons. But I got buyers in Portland when I go on eBay or go on Facebook that they know who Anthony Simons is. And uh, I've got buyers in San Antonio who have heard of Trey Jones and they know what he's doing in the preseason or in uh, spot duty when DeJounte is hurt. So you got the chance to tap into a global market and sellers, excuse me, buyers from all over the place. But I want to give you five things. It might actually be four and a half. I don't know. But five things 
as a seller to keep in mind, all right? Number one, you set the price. You do. And uh, sometimes by not even setting a price, you, you have set a price, okay? Like when you list something for auction and you started at 99 cents, you're going to get more eyes on it and people getting excited to bid because maybe as you've seen, some auctions end for much lower than that card's values because they, they uh, maybe scheduled the auction to end in the middle of the day when everybody's at work and they're not buying on eBay auctions. But when you list it on auction, you've decided, hey, the price is whatever somebody is willing to pay for it three days from now, seven days from now, or 24 hours from now, or a whatnot auction for a minute from now. I don't know. But you set the price. And if you're willing to let other people you know, come to that conclusion for you, you just want to get rid of it, then maybe an auction is the way to go. I like to set certain cards at a buy it now price, maybe with the best offer that they can send me. But I, I'll just be honest, there are cards that I have that, you know, if you ask me right now, hey, hey, Gary, is that card for sale? Or how much you want for that card? I might even say it's not for sale. But but as we both know, everything has its price, right? Like if I if I said, look, I'm not selling my Darius Garland Silver Prism PSA 9 right now because Darius is one of my favorite players and because I think that card is going to improve in value over the next three months, let alone, let alone the next three years. So it's really not for sale. If your response was, all right, Gar, what about 500 bucks? <laughs> I'd be like, sold. <laughs> all right, Gar, what about 200 bucks? I'd be like, sold. You know, I, I am familiar with what that card has been selling for lately. I don't want to sell at those prices, but if you offer me something more, all right, so sometimes I'll create an eBay listing for a card that maybe I'm not super you know, desperate to sell, but I'll list it at an amount that I would take for it and see if I get an offer close to that, then I might sell it. That, uh, that you set the price. You do. And uh, you know, buyers don't have to pay you their cash and you don't have to accept it either. Uh, I've seen buyers come up to a table or enter a negotiation and they'll start making the case for why I should drop my price because somebody paid this for it five days ago. Or did you know that, you know, if if you sell it to me in person, you don't have to pay the eBay 10% fees and you don't have to deal with all the shipping, just craziness. Oh, that's so that's so hard demanding work. Who who would ever endure such pain and suffering? You know, um, I'm just trying out new voices. Um, when a buyer comes and tries to make a case for their price. Uh, sometimes they're right and, and what they're saying is factual, but at the end of the, the conversation, you don't have to sell it. You don't have to sell that card at, at their price, no matter what they say. I've, I've got, I do have cards where if you offered me triple what that card's worth right now, I would say, no, I can't, I can't, I'm no. They don't, they can't, they have no power over you to make you sell a card. All right. They could, they could send you offers. They could say, hey, look, man, your, your price is just crazy. You, you don't even know, man. That guy bruised his ribs the other day. Okay, dude, fine. Fine. He said some comments that were offensive to people. That doesn't mean I'm going to sell you Anthony Edwards rookies for 10 bucks. Like, I'm just, you set the price, number one. Remember that? I'm not saying brag about it. I'm just saying know that that's a thing. But, hey, if you're truly selling, then price it to sell. When you're setting a price, you actually know, you could know what you paid for it when you bought it. You could know what it's worth lately. 
what the going price is. You could say I'm checking the recent comparisons, not only on eBay sold items. That's a great fast search. But when you do that fast search and you say, hey, the last four of those Anthony Edwards cards sold for $70 each, you do need to realize, Mr. Seller or Mrs. Seller, that yeah, yeah, that eBay seller that took 70 bucks, they did have to give about $8 of that. I'm using US dollars, sorry. They took about 42 pounds and, you know, euros, whatever. Um, they, but they had to pay 10% or 12% of whatever currency to eBay. Just realize that, hey, if, if, if you want to negotiate and if you want to move product, I'm using business terms now because sometimes I got to think of my cards as buying and selling. I got to think of them as just things that I could make money on, things that represent value, things that if I move enough of them at smaller margins, at smaller profit percentages, I'm making money quicker. Instead of saying, all right, I'm going to hold on to that Darius Garland card for five years because in five years it's going to be worth 20% more. Well, wait a minute. If I buy and sell that card five times in the next six months and I make 10% on each sale, guess who wins? Not the guy who held on to his card forever. Like, <laughs> right? So you need to price it to sell. In fact, uh, one of our listeners here at Splash Hit Sports Cards, Brett, Brett says frequently, like, look, as a, as a buyer and seller, thinking of it as a business, I'm often looking to buy things at, at around 60% of comps, you know, and you can get good deals, buyers, but then to sell them at around 90% of comps, then you're getting that 30% as, as profit. Just think of your strategy there, price things to sell. The next, the third thing, watch, I already kind of alluded to this, watch the fees. The fees, baby. Watch the fees, baby. What am I doing? I got a new microphone. I just got to like show off for the crowd. Watch the fees. Sales tax, shipping costs, eBay fees, any sort of transfer from the vault fees, right? Any extra things that might be involved in packing, shipping, protecting the card, Watch those fees, they add up. So whether you're trading in vaults or selling on an auction or you're sending cards away to consignment, some of you guys are doing that. In fact, just, just I got I to gotta share this one anecdote. Um, I'm currently, there are many companies or individuals that'll do this. They're consignments. And you might say, well, I don't know how to sell cards. I'm just going to send these 20 cards over to blah, blah, blah. That's really not their name. It's just me going anonymous. I'm, I'm sending them to blah, 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 consignment place. And uh, they know all the auction stuff. They're going to auction it. And uh, yeah, they're going to take a cut, but I'm going to get cash back. Great. I would just say, know who does it well, consignment stuff. Do a little research before you send away your treasures and say, yeah, you can have 20% or you can have 10%. Because consigners aren't perfect, they're getting a cut that I think it's it's easier than you think to learn how to do it yourself. And it doesn't take that that long to learn how to print a label and ship a card. Okay? You can do this. You can do it, baby. You got it. But here's my little story I was going to say. Right now, I'm bidding on a card where the consignment company. So I, it's not their card. They're consigned selling this card for somebody else. Number one, they didn't list all the details of that card in the product name on eBay. So people that are searching for a certain card, I'm going to be vague a little bit. They're searching for a certain card of this player. They're not going to find <laughs> this listing. The second thing they did is they spelled 
the product name wrong. <laughs> they spelled, it'd be like if you spelled um, immaculate with four M's, you know, or immaculate instead of immaculate. They spelled the product wrong. So people searching for this player, that product with these details, they're not going to find this one. And right now I'm winning this auction for about, yeah, I know it's just an auction and somebody else is going to find it, dug on it, but I, I have a chance to win. And, and there have been many cases, guys, where a consignment auction thing goes bad and people don't make money. They actually lose a ton of money on it. So I'm just saying, man, should I send a note to this consignment company? Oh, somebody's calling me. What? Why? Don't call me. It's the consignment company. They're like, well, are you talking about us? Are you talking about me? No, I'm not talking about you. It's um, it's actually the car company working on some stuff for my my son's car, a uh, new alternator. So this is, I even though I got a new microphone, this is still a reality show. Got to got to remember that. So I mute the phone and it still rings. How is that a thing? Tell me, people. All right. So sometimes you can snipe a deal when someone didn't spell a product right. All that to say, watch those fees for consigners, watch those fees for eBay, for shipping, for for uh, sales tax, all those things. That was number three. Okay, one was you set the price, two was price to sell. Like know what the seller, like give them a good deal. Three, watch the fees. Four, remember the future. Because sometimes if you're selling in person or if you're selling to a guy you met on Facebook, you got to be thinking not just about that deal. I want to get fair value. Okay, it's a range, dude. So if the range is 150 to 175 on a card, you insisting on 175 is going to get real old real fast. That guy's not going to want to buy from you next time. Think about the future sales. Think about the deals. In fact, at a, a recent card show, I loved this, by the way. I saw a young man come up to a table and make an offer and be very pushy on why he should get a discount. He wasn't being rude. He was just being kind of like, annoying kind of like like re- repeating asking the same thing over and over like all right kid but the se- the seller handled this so well and they gave the kid a deal i think because they knew it was a nice thing to do and because they're thinking of future sales you you're building a friend and probably a buyer not for life but for a long time they'll come back to you cuz they know you're going to give them a good deal and there are going to be times when you you want to just sell cards you're going to want those kinds of buyers so remember the future sale And number four, offer. I don't even know what that is. Offer. That's why I said four and a half. I was going to (laughs) say, see if I can make something up on the spot. No, I'm I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. There's going to be something like, offer your cards. Yeah, no, I, I I don't have it. Something about on different platforms. No. Offer to, th- you could throw in other cards to sweeten the pot on a, on a sale. I've done that in person. Uh, it's harder to do online. Offer, I think as a seller, it helps to be able to accept various forms of payment. So offer to accept PayPal, Venmo, Cash App. You see what I did there? I just used the word offer. And then you finish the sentence, baby. Offer to ship overseas. Offer to throw in an extra top loader. <laughs> I don't know. Um, as, as sellers though, you guys, I am learning all the time and in an ideal world where cards values are going up like the, like it used to be just, I mean, it used to be two years ago. 
I can hold out to get more money from the next buyer. Now it's like, hey, if I've got a decent offer, I'm taking it. Or if I've got a card that, hey, it's not doing what I thought it would, or hey, I like another card better. If I can liquidate that card to get, get money for something else, I'm going to do it. Liquidate doesn't mean pour water on it. 101, people, I got to define these terms. Liquidate means sell it. And so I guess the seller final thought would be, if you are doing this to make money, then I think it, it's important that before you buy anything, have a selling plan for it, okay? Before you buy any card, have a, have a selling plan, an exit strategy, a, all right, I am looking to buy Anthony Edwards before the season because I will have several windows of opportunity to sell it at a profit. Meaning, as the season gets closer and closer, Cards of Ja Morant, LeBron James, Giannis, Trey Young, Zion, like cards of these big name players, a lot of people will be turning their attention to basketball and they'll be wanting to buy those cards. So you've got buyers there. Then as those players perform well and make the all-star team, assuming they do, you've got an opportunity for their card values to go up as they get more attention, as they get more famous, as their teams advance, right? There's an opportunity. Then the playoffs, I think, are huge, huge where you see spikes in card values like Jason Tatum did last year and younger players that emerge and become rookie of the year candidates. There are times, but I've got to have a selling plan I want to before I buy the card. I have people message me and say, hey, can I buy this card or is this a good investment? And I'll say, well, well, what's your plan for it, right? You want to hold it forever? Are you just a, that big of a you know, fan of Anyeka Akangwu. Do you really like the Ball family that much? They got to have a lot of Lonzos. Like, what's your plan for it? Because if your plan is, I want to make money in two months, I'm going to say, all right, maybe you should look at a different player or a different card or offer 20% less than you tell me you're about to pay for it. If your goal with a certain purchase is to resell it and make money, that changes the way I do all this stuff, but it also changes the way I approach things as a buyer. So sellers are also thinking about, hey, if I sell this, what am I going to buy next? And that's been one of the, the, the funnest. Shoot, I always say funnest on this podcast. Dang it. The, what's one of my favorite things right now about this buyer's market with the basketball card prices still being down is I can sell something at a loss or at a lower value than I think it's going to be here in the off season and use that money to buy something I want more. I, I've described this lately. Like I've been able to sell cards I like and buy cards I love. Sell players that I'm rooting for and buying cards that everybody's going to want when the season starts. I got to start thinking more like a businessman and you can do this stuff like in the dollar boxes or the 50 cent boxes at a card shop. You can do this buying in bulk and uh, getting, getting deals on groups of cards or sets. Or you can do this by saying, look, I just want one really good Tyrese Halliburton card because, I mean, in fact, that reminds me. Um, in the next few weeks as the season approaches, you guys, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about my top 20, top 20 players to invest in for the coming NBA season. So I can't wait to get there and do that. I want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Hoops and Cards. Hey, if you got a buyer question or a seller question, could you email me, gary at hoopsandcards.com? Someone just sent me one. Gary at hoopsandcards.com. And for more 
podcast episodes, more connection in our community to support me and the Hoops and Cards movement. First of all, check out hoopsandcards.com. Second, join Hoops Plus. That is our subscriber, $4.99 a month. U.S. dollars, not not pesos. $4.99 a month will get you in as a member. We love it. Go to anchor.fm forward slash hoops and cards forward slash subscribe or check out the show notes for more information. And remember, remember, the NBA pre-sarzen starts in only four dollars in Tokyo, Japan. The preseason starts, baby. Have a great week, and we'll see you at the next episode of Hoops and Cards. MJ. Oh, oh, he did it! Oh, Michael shakes the finger, but he finally got his dunk on Mount Matumbo. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye, then.